I would like to share with you uh, for for today is losing your first love. Amen. What do you mean by losing your first love? Losing your love for God. God has to be the number one in your life. He has to be the outmost person that you need to keep in your heart and in your life. Amen. God gave me this uh, message, this title. When I had a vision this Thursday, I actually had a vision early morning this Thursday. And I was given a scripture from Jeremiah chapter 2 verses 1 to 2. And when I read that scripture, I knew in my spirit that the Lord is calling us. is telling me that my children have lost their first love. They have lost their love for God. Amen. It's the same with the Ephesian church. If you find that in Revelation chapter 2. Verses from uh, 4 to 5. God is calling the Ephesian church a loveless church. A church which has lost its love for Christ. Amen. You'll find that in Revelation chapter 2. Let's go there. Revelation chapter 2 verses from 1 to 4 5. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars. In his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I have seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But, verse 4, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look for how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its places among the churches. Amen. So this was a warning from, from the Lord to one of the church in the book of Revelation. That was the Ephesian church. Amen. So it's not just a warning to the Ephesian church, but it's a warning to all the churches in the present time as well. Amen. What was the concern of Jesus to write this to the Ephesian church was because the church had lost its first love. He's saying in verse 4, but I have this complaint against you. You, have don't, you don't love me or each other. You don't love Christ. Also, you don't love each other, your brothers and sisters. And says in look for, uh, verse 5, Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Amen. So at first, when we come to, the, come to Christ, we get so excited. Amen. We get a miracle. God touches our life. We, we give our life to Christ. We get baptized. We are so excited. We say, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We... We say, Lord, we are here for you. We want to do everything for you, Lord. And we are so excited in the things of God. We go to church. We go and testify to our brothers and sisters. Look what the Lord has done. Amen. We start doing things in the church. And eventually down the line, our love for God starts growing cold. Amen. And that was the condition of the Ephesian church. Initially, when we accept Christ, we are so excited. In the, in the things of God. It's like a relationship between a husband and a wife. Amen. When you fall in love for the first time. You get excited. Amen. And then when you get married. You do everything to please your husband. Right. 
You do everything to please your wife. Amen. Why do we do that? Because they become our first priority. Our husband, our wife will become the first priority in our life. And that's the reason we are so excited. And we start doing things to please them, to make them happy. We cook for them. We buy clothes for them, gifts for them. Amen. We do everything to make the other person happy. Why? Because we delight in them. Amen. But eventually down the line, after a couple of years, our love for each other grows cold. The love for a husband and wife grows cold. Amen. It's, it's in, it's in uh, every marriage. You see that. Down the line, after a couple of years, the love grows cold. Why does the love grow cold? It's because career, job, money, other things, they become our priority. Amen. It's the same with God. God is our husband. Jesus is our bridegroom. He calls the church his bride. Amen. You can find that in Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 25 to 27. It says, For husband, this means love your wife just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or without other blemish. Instead, she would be holy without fault. Amen. So Christ is calling us his bride. The church is his bride. He gave up his life for her. That's what it says in verse 25. Christ gave up his life for the church. For what? To make her holy. To make her clean. Amen. But unfortunately, we are losing our love for Christ. And we start leading an unholy and unclean life. Amen. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verses. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 2. It says, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. Amen. So Christ is our husband. He is our bridegroom. And he expects us to put him first. Just as a husband expects his wife to put him first above everything. Amen. So Christ is our husband. He is a true husband. He will never cheat us. He will never betray us. And he's expecting that as I'm faithful in my relationship with my church, I'm expecting the church to also be faithful with me. Amen. And many Christians are growing cold and they have lost their first love. They have lost their first love in Christ. Amen. And that was the condition of the Israelites. God, God chose that nation out of the whole world. They were the chosen people. And what happened? They grew cold in their love for God. You'll find that in Jeremiah chapter 2. Let's go to Jeremiah chapter 2. And verses from 1 to 4. It says, The Lord gave me, the, gave me another message. He said, Go and shout this message to Jerusalem. This is what the Lord says. I remember how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago. How you loved me and followed me even through the barren wilderness. In those days, Israel was holy to the Lord, the first of his children. 
All who harmed his people were declared guilty. A disaster fell on them. I, the Lord, have spoken. Listen to the word of the Lord, people of Jacob, all you families of Israel. Amen. So this was what God gave through prophet Jeremiah to the nation of Israel. And he's telling them, he's reminding them how good you were in those, in those days. In the past, you were so much dedicated to me. Where has that love gone? Is what he's questioning the nation of Israel. He's not only questioning the nation of Israel, but he's questioning every child of God, every Christian. He's questioning, where has your love gone? Why has your love gone so cold? The number one reason why our love for God grows cold is when other things start taking place of God in our life. Amen. Other things start taking place. When we get excited in the things of God, we give our life to Christ, we get baptized, we start fellowshipping, we start going to church, we start reading the word, and eventually down the line, everything stops. Why? Because things of this world start taking the place of God in our life. Amen. And we have to be careful with that church. We have to be very careful. Why? Because the word of God himself says that. You'll find that in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 21. It says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Amen. So this is what John the Apostle is telling the church. Stay away from anything that can take the place of God in your heart. Stay away. He's warning us. If anything can take place, uh, take the place of God. You know, it could be a career, as I said, job. It could be money. It could be business. It could be our husband, our wife, our spouse. It could also be our children. It could also be our grandchildren that can take the place of God in our heart. Amen. It could also be a church. Even a church can take the place of God in our heart. It could even also be a pastor or a preacher that could place, take the place of God in our heart. Amen. So we have to be careful. There's nothing wrong in loving your, your children, loving your grandchildren, loving your spouse. I mean, we are called to love. But they should not take the place of God in our heart. God has to be the number one. God has to be above everything. Whether it's your children, your money, your job, God has to be number one. Amen. Don't allow anything else to take the place of God. Many people are not coming to church. The number one reason my wife is not, my spouse is not letting me come to the church. So you're putting your spouse above God. And we expect God to bless our marriage. It's not going to work like that church. Right? We cannot put our children above God. We say, some of the church members have told me, my grandchildren, there's nobody to take care of them. I have to be there for my grandkids, so I can't come to church. Amen. So grandkids take the place, grandkids will take the place of God in our, in our, in our hearts. So we have to be careful. We have to be careful that we don't allow all these things to take the place of God in our heart. Because these will lead us away from God. These will lead us away from God. The job, the money. Relationships will take us away from God for our own disaster. It will take us away and it's, it's going to be a disaster. Amen. Why do I say that? Because the word of God says that in John chapter 10 verse 10, Jesus very clearly said the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. Amen. 
So we have to be careful, church, because the enemy is waiting to steal, kill, and destroy our finances, destroy our jobs, destroy our health, destroy our relationships. You know, he's there 24 by 7 waiting to destroy. So we have to be careful. Amen. It says, in, uh, uh, the very good example is Solomon. Solomon was chosen by God. He was anointed by God. But unfortunately, he went away from God. You find that in 1 Kings chapter 11 and verses 1 to 11. Let's see what Solomon did. It says, Now King Solomon loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. He married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon, and from among the Hittites. The Lord had clearly instructed the people of Israel, You must not marry them. Because they will turn your hearts to their gods, yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway. Amen. So you can see that God already warned Solomon. God said, I'm going to anoint you. You're going to be the king. He was filled with wisdom. He had so much of wisdom that the nations around Israel came to hear the wisdom of, of Solomon. He was filled with anointing of wisdom. Amen. And God told him, warned him, don't marry women from the heathen nations and that is what exactly he did he went against the will of God and he went and married women from Moab, Ammon, Edom, Sidon and many other Hittites the Lord clearly instructed the people of Israel you must not marry them because they will turn your hearts to their gods yet Solomon insisted on loving them anyway and that was his downfall because his desire was not serving God. His desire was somewhere else. Amen. Again, it says in 1 Kings 9, verses 3-7, to 7, it says, The Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your petition. I have set this temple apart to be holy. This place you have built where my name will be honored forever. I will always watch over it, for it is dear to my heart. As for you, if you will follow me, with integrity and godliness as David your father did, obeying all my commands, decrees and regulations, then I will establish the throne of your dynasty over Israel forever. For I made this promise to your father. Amen. So God said, I'm going to bless you. But there's a condition. There's a condition. You should not stray away from me. You should not go for women. Because these women will take your heart away from me. Amen. And that is what happened. David forgot what God had warned him. And what happened? He lost his kingdom. His kingdom was divided. And he died like a madman. He lost everything. Everything was lost. And that's the problem. When we start giving to the temptations of the world. And we go astray from God. And that is when <coughs> we stray and open ourselves to disaster. Amen. Another very good example is Samson. You'll find that in Judges chapter 13. And uh, let me open my Bible. You'll find that in Judges chapter 13 and verses uh, from 5. 13, 5. It says, you will become, I mean, this is... Uh, God, the angel of God came and gave this, this message to 
uh, Samson's mother telling her that be careful you're going to have a child and this child will be dedicated to God he'll be used for God's purposes he will be dedicated for God's purposes so let me read that to you Judges chapter 13 verse 5 you will become pregnant and give birth to a son and his hair must never be cut for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines the woman ran and told her husband a man of God appeared to me he looked like one of God's angels terrifying to see I didn't ask where he was from and he didn't tell me his name but he told me you will become pregnant and give birth to a son you must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink nor eat any forbidden food for your son will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from the moment of his birth until the day of his death amen so he's telling your child will be dedicated to the service of God so you have to be careful that you don't uh, drink alcohol or any wine so Samson was chosen he was dedicated to be the judge of the nation of Israel to lead the nation in the things of God according to God's plan according to God's will so Samson was chosen and, and selected and dedicated but what happened down the line Samson he was filled with the spirit of lust he was lust, lusting around after women and those women took him away from God and eventually he he died he, he didn't make it the plan that God had for his life was not fulfilled because of his turning away from God we'll find that in Judges chapter 16 and verse 1 it says one day Samson went to Philistine town of Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute so he, you can see that he knew that he had a calling in his life he knew that he was dedicated to be a judge of the nation of Israel and still it says that he spent a night with a prostitute amen so that's the problem amen that's the problem you know very well that you have been chosen you have been uh, you, you have been selected by God for a plan and a purpose and you still stray away from the will of God and he was lusting after women and that was his biggest downfall same chapter verse 4 it says sometime later Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek so he fell in love with another woman named Delilah and then further down it says in verse uh, verse 16 she tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to death of it finally Samson shared the secret with her my hair has never been cut he confessed for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth if my head were shaved my strength would leave me I would become as weak as anyone else so he shared the secret because this woman was nagging him nagging him to tell him what was the secret of his strength he had so much of strength and he gave his secret the strength is in my hair amen and she used that for her own advantage and it says in verse 20 then she cried out Samson the Philistines have come to capture you when he woke up he thought I will do as before 
and shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. Unfortunately, he forgot that he had lost his anointing. It says he realized the Lord had left him. The Lord had left. He didn't even know that the Lord had left him. You have to be careful, church. Sometimes God knocks on our heart. He wants us, my child, my son, you're going in the wrong direction. And when we keep ignoring it, if you keep ignoring it, then we come to a point where we lose the anointing of God in our life and we will not even know that we have lost the anointing. And that's what happened with Samson. He lost the anointing, the power of God, and he was captured. His eyes were gouged out by the enemies and he was, he was, he was killed. Amen. So that's what happens. Our life is going to be a, it's not going to end good. It's not going to be good. If we turn away from God, if we keep things of this world and give them the place in our heart above Christ. It says in Mark chapter 12 verse 30, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind. We are called to love God. Not only in our heart but also with our mind. Sometimes we allow thoughts in our mind and those thoughts can take us away from God. Thoughts of jealousy, thoughts of hatred, thoughts of anger, thoughts of lust. Anything that happens in our mind can also take us away from God. That's the reason he's telling us, keep God first in your heart and keep him first in your mind as well. Amen. It says in Psalms 37 verse 4, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Many of us, we have desires in our life. And there's nothing wrong in having desires. Amen. We are called to have desires. But we should look for those desires in the right place. Many of us will have desires. But we look to get those desires. To fulfill those desires in the wrong place. Amen. It says delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. If you have desire of your heart is to go on a vacation. Delight yourself in the Lord. If your desire is to... Uh, take your business to the next level put your desires in the Lord because he will fulfill all your desires you have to delight when will you delight yourself when you put God first in your life amen I remember the sister had called me yesterday and she asked me sister Sheba I've been praying for a house I don't know why I'm not getting house I don't know why God is not giving me a house I've been praying I've been seeking the Lord I told her sister you're not coming to church you're not coming on the Sunday uh, service you're not coming on the Thursday conference because the word of God says in Exodus chapter 20 verse 8 we are called to worship God on the Sabbath seven days six days you can work but keep the Sabbath day holy Sabbath day is Sunday because Christ resurrected on Sunday we're called to keep it holy because that's the command of God if you're disobeying God how do you expect God to answer your prayers amen church if you are dis living in disobedience to God, it again is a sin. Even a sin, simple disobedience to God's word. So how can you say that you are delighting in God when you are not being obedient to God's word? How can you say that I am delighting in God when you are not fellowshipping with your brothers and sisters? Because the word clearly says in Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25, Forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. We cannot forsake our assembling ourselves together. Because when, it, when one or two are there, Jesus said, in the, uh, I think it's in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20, 
when two or three are there, I am there in their midst. So we have to fellowship. We have to come together. We have to worship the Lord together. Amen. So when we do that, we can say that we are delighting in God. It's important to read the word. I'm not saying only reading the word. Of course, it's very important to read the word. But also, the word of God says to worship him on the Sabbath day. To not forsaking yourself, assembling together. Amen. Abraham, one of the good examples was Abraham. He delighted in God. And God fulfilled his desire to have a son. Even in his ripe old age of 100 years, he, God fulfilled his desire. He desired to have a child. He said, Lord, I'm old. I'm 100 years old. But I'm still expecting to have a child. That's my desire. And God saw the desire. And the reason God fulfilled the desire was Abraham was willing to fulfill the desires of God. He was, de he was delighting in God. Amen. And even when he got the child, Isaac was born. God blessed him. And even then he was willing to sacrifice his son because he loved God. He put God above his child. <coughs> Amen. And that's the reason God blessed him. He was the richest, wealthiest man in his time. God not only, not only blessed Abraham, but his whole family was blessed. His grandchildren were blessed. His generations to generations were blessed because of one man's obedience and willingness and his delight in God. He kept God in his heart above everything else. Amen. So when you delight yourself in God, church, he will fulfill all your desires, whatever it might be. Nothing is impossible with God. Amen. And sometimes we have to also be careful. Because many Christians, they come to church, they ask God for a miracle and that miracle happens. And then they forget God. And they say, God, we don't need you anymore. And they stop coming to church. They stop coming uh, on the, on the midweek uh, conference prayers. Because those desires sometimes take us away from God. You have to be careful with that too, church. I remember the sister has been coming to our church for quite a while. And she didn't have a job. So she asked the church for prayers. And we prayed. And God blessed her with a job. Actually, the job fired her. They, they kicked her out. She lost the job. They fired her. But she was expecting for a miracle. And God did exactly that. The same boss who, who fired her called her back to join back in the company. And what happened? Is because of the job, she stopped coming to church. And when pastor called her, the reason she gave for not coming for church is she's working on Sundays. And that's the problem. Now that desire that God fulfilled, that blessing that God did, has taken the place of God in her life. And we have to be careful, church. When God blesses us, don't use that blessing above God. Amen. We have to be careful. It could be any blessing. We have to be careful that we don't lose God in those blessings. God has to be our first priority. I was watching a documentary of Whitney Houston. I'm sure many of you guys know. Uh, she's a very famous pop singer. I loved enjoying listening to her songs um, when I was young. She's a very beautiful, wonderful uh, singer. And if you see her, her life history... She was anointed to sing in the church. Her first song that she sang was in 1998 in a Baptist, Southern Baptist Church in Pennsylvania. She sang her first song in the church and people were rejoicing. People 
got up from their chairs, they were raising their hands, they were glorifying God, they were having tears rolling down their eyes, and they were just, you know, engrossed in her voice. And she testified in the church that God has given me this gift, this beautiful voice to use it to glorify Him. Amen. So she became famous. She started, people started calling her to different churches. She was uh, singing in many places, in many choirs, in the churches. And with that came popularity. With that popularity came, came the spotlight. With that spotlight came uh, the people. They started observing her, that she has a great voice. And they started approaching her. And she was given, given uh, chances to sing in movies and, and uh, worldly songs. So she, she opened herself and she started singing for the world. She started becoming a pop singer. And she became famous. And with famous, she was so filthy rich. She, with fame came money. Money, popularity. She became very rich and she left God. She forgot that this gift of singing was used to glorify God, not to glorify the world. And she stopped singing for churches. She stopped singing in the choirs, but she was busy making albums after albums. And she became uh, the, one of the best singers that this nation has ever had. And she still is a very good singer. She's one of the best singers in the pop industry, in the music industry. And what happened? She forgot God. And eventually down the line, her love for God grew cold because money started coming in, fame started coming in, coming in. And that is when she went into drugs. She started doing drugs. She started doing meth. She started drinking. She started taking shots because that was not giving her joy and pleasure. She was not, she was missing the joy of the Lord. It says very clearly, Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10, the joy of the Lord is her strength. She was losing her strength. She was losing her grip on her life, in her, on her current situation. And she was not able to understand that this is not what I wanted. But she kept going after fame. She came across a man in her life who took her further away from God. He took her more into drugs. And then we, uh, one fine day, we got to know that she, she, she died of drug overdose in one of the hotels in Beverly Hills in California. She died in her tub. And when they found out, they, they, saw, they said they saw drugs all over around her tub. And when they did the post-mortem, they found out of drugs in her blood. And that was because of drug overdose. We have to be careful, church, because these things will take us away from God. When God has blessed us, God has anointed us with certain things, we have to give glory to God. Amen? So we have to be careful that we don't give the things of this world in our heart. And our God has to be first in our heart. Second reason why we lose our first love in God is we forget all the good things God did in our lives. All the miracles, all the healings, all the deliverance, the salvation that took place in our family, we forget all the good things God has done. Looking at the numbers of healing and miracles that have taken place in our church, the church should have been flooded by now. We are seeing so many few people coming on the conference that itself shows that they have forgotten the goodness of God. 
They have forgotten all the miracles God did. Some of the sisters, God saved their houses from going into foreclosure. Amen. That was a big miracle. Some of the sisters, God healed them from, from cancer. God healed them from COVID. God healed them from, brought them from the bed of death. And where are they now? Are they glorifying God? Are they walking with God? Are they coming to, to church? No, they are still in the world because they have forgotten the goodness of God. We have to be careful, church. We should never forget what God did for us. Amen. We have to be very careful. It says in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 20, that's what God was reminding the nation of Israel through prophet Jeremiah. Chapter 2, verses 20 to 22. It says, Long ago I broke the yoke that oppressed you and tore away the chains of your slavery, but still you said, I will not serve you. On every hill and, and under every tree you have prostituted yourself by bowing down to idols. Amen. So he's saying that I broke the yoke of slavery. God is reminding them, how could you forget me? I broke the yoke of sickness. I broke the yoke of sin. I broke the yoke of addiction. I broke so many yokes in your life. Depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, financial crisis. I have broken the yoke in your lives. And where have you gone? How could you forget me? Is what God is questioning us. Amen. How could you forget? It says in verse 22. How could you forget? It says no amount of soap or oil can make you clean. I still see the stain of your guilt. I the sovereign Lord have spoken. Amen. So it's saying that we are guilty because we have backslidden from God. We have forgotten the goodness of God. In the same chapter verse 32 it says. Does a young woman forget her jewelry or a bride her wedding dress? Yet for years on end, my people have forgotten me. Amen. That is so sad. God is comparing a simple jewelry to himself. Because that women, they don't forget the jewelry, but they have forgotten me. Their creator. As the same, not only with Israel, but also with all the Christians. That we have forgotten the goodness of God. All the miracles that he has done. And we place our desires on the things of the world. Amen. You have to be careful church. We have to be careful. We have to turn back to God. We have to turn back to our first love in God. Else it's going to be a disaster. It says in verse 19. Your wickedness will bring its own punishment. Your turning from me will shame you. You will see what an evil, bitter thing that it is to abandon the Lord your God and not to fear him. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. Again, he's warning the nation of Israel. Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 19. You have forgotten me. You have done this. Uh, you have abandoned me. Look what evil you have done. You don't have any fear of God. And your own wickedness will bring punishment. From turning away from me. Amen. So we have to be careful church. Many of us we have turned ourselves away from God. We forget that God saved our life. We forget that God healed us. We forget that God has set us free. And we forget all the goodness of God. 
and we turn back on him. Amen. And God is calling us. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that God is waiting patiently that none of us will, will, uh, will end up in hell, but is waiting patiently that we'll come to repentance. Let's go there. 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Amen. So that's the goodness of God. He's waiting patiently. That's how good God is. He's waiting patiently that one day my child, my daughter will turn back to me. He doesn't want us to end up in hell. He never created hell for his children. The hell was created for the angels, Satan, Lucifer and his angels. He never created hell for, for the children of God. He never created for us. But unfortunately, many Christians are ending up in hell because of their unrepentant heart and they don't want to turn back to God and they have lost their first love for God. It says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verses from 38 and 39, it says, And my righteous one will live by faith but I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Verse 39, But we are not like those who turn away from God to their own destruction. We are the faithful ones, faithful ones whose souls will be saved. So it's telling very clearly that I will take no pleasure on those who turn away from me. Amen. So we have to be careful, church, that we don't forget the goodness of God. And the third reason why we have lost our first love is because we are compromising our walk with God. We are compromising. Many Christians are compromising their walk with God. We stop coming to church. Reason being we are working night shift or we are working day shift so we can't come to church. So we are compromising. We are giving more importance to work. We are giving more importance to our family. We are giving more importance to COVID than God. Amen. We, we stop reading the Bible. We stop praying. We stop fellowshipping with brothers and sisters. And eventually down the line that, that takes us away from God. Amen. If there is no communication between a husband and wife, what happens? Down the line, the marriage will break. Because there is no communication. There is no understanding. It's the same with God. He is our husband. And he expects us to communicate with him. That is through prayers through petitions, through spending time in His Word. That is how we communicate with God. Amen. If you're not praying, then you're not talking to God. So if there's no communication, how do you expect God to bless our lives? How do you expect God to protect our lives? How do you expect God to protect us from the temptations of this world? Amen. That is how we lose our first love for God because we're compromising our walk with God. Amen. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, you will keep his commandments. What are his two important commandments? You'll find that in John chapter 14 verse 15. First is love God. Keep him first. That's what Jesus' commandment. Keep him first. Love him first. Second, love your brothers and sisters. He didn't tell us to love our spouse. He didn't tell us to love our, our children, our grandchildren. No, he's telling us to love our brothers and sisters. Church. First, love God. Second, love your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Love your neighbors. 
Amen. Many Christians, they fall in these two categories. They don't love God. That's the reason the love for God grows cold. And second is they don't love their brothers and sisters. Amen. Why do we don't love our brothers and sisters? Because jealousy, hatred, gossiping comes in and separates the, the, the relationship in, in the church. Amen. Many, many Christians, they make excuses when it comes to the point of helping our brothers and sisters. We have to be careful, church, that when our brothers and sisters are in need, we should be there to help them. You'll find that in 1 John chapter 3 and verses 17 to 19. It says, it says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Question mark. Verse 18. Dear children, let us not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. By our actions, we show that we belong to the truth, so we will be confident when we stand before God. Amen. We will be confident when we stand before God, church, if we show our love for brothers and sisters. That's what he's saying, John. Is telling the church when you see your brother struggling and he needs help and you say you know be blessed and you don't help him how can you say that you have the love of God in your heart many Christians they make excuses I had been to this church a couple of years back and there was a sister who came to church and I didn't have a car so I asked her sister sister can you give me a ride back home so she said well Sheba I can give you a ride but unfortunately I don't have enough gas in my car I had little bit left that I could come to the church, but I don't have enough left to take you back to your home. And God put it in my heart to help her. So I said, don't worry, sister. I'll help you with the gas money. So I was able to bless her with the gas money, and she was so happy. She was so excited because none of the church members were willing to help her, but I was there to help her. Amen. I'm sure God did put in the heart of all the people in that church to help the sister. You know, that's what we are called to do, church. When we see our brothers and sisters, that, that church was supposed to encourage that sister and say, hey, sister, we are so happy that you're in the church. You're doing the will of God, and here we are to help you. Do you need any help? Right? That's the, that's the attitude that the church needs to have when some one of your brothers and sisters are struggling. But unfortunately, none of the church members were willing to help her, including the pastor, and that really broke her heart. But thank God, God used me to reach out to her and help her and bless her with the money to, to, for the gas money so that she can go back home because she came trusting God. She came to the church trusting God that no matter what, God will help me and bless me. And she came and God did bless her by using me to pay her gas money. Amen. So how do you say that you love God when you don't have love for your brothers and sisters, church? We cannot be a loveless church. And that was the condition of the Lysodian church. You'll find that in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 15. That church was a loveless church. There was no love for each other. That's what Jesus is telling. Look how far you have gone. You don't have love for me and you don't have love for each other. That was the Ephesian church, a loveless church. And those are the two important commandments. Love God first. Second, love your brothers and sisters. And many Christians make excuses for not helping their brothers and sisters. Amen. Many Christians have problems with their sisters or brothers because of jealousy or pride or backbiting or gossiping. 
and that takes them away from God. We have to be careful, church. We cannot hate our brothers and sisters because if we are, it says that we are called as murderers. And make sure murderers will not make it to heaven. Will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Why do I say that? Because the word of God says that. You'll find that in 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 to 15. It says, if we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. Amen. So he's saying that you are a murderer. You are a murderer. You have, you, you have killed by hating your brothers and sisters. You have to be careful, church, that we don't fall into those categories because murderers will not make it to heaven. You might be going to church. You might be doing things in the church. But if you have no love for your brothers and sisters, you're not there to help them. That means there's something wrong. And that's what God is warning us. You have lost your love for me. And secondly, you have lost your love for your brothers and sisters. The fourth reason is for losing our love for God is we compromise the standards of God with the standards of the world. We compromise the standards of God. What are the standards? God has his standards, church. He has his own standards. He expects us to be in the church every Sunday worshiping him. He expects us to be first in every area of our life. He expects us to be first even in our finances. Many Christians fall in this area. I remember I had a talk with one of the sisters and she took me out and uh, she told me, Sister Sheba, I'm struggling financially. I'm having so many bills and I'm struggling financially. I make really good money but I'm struggling. And I asked the sister, Sister, are you tithing to your church? Are you putting God first in your finances? And this is what she said. No, sister, I'm not. I don't have to give my tithes. I'm giving money here and there uh, to the poor people. I'm helping. I'm giving. I'm donating uh, money here and there. I mean, that's good. We are called to help the poor. But remember, tithes belong to God. The 10% of your income should go to God. Because that's what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. The 10% of your income belongs to God. If you're not giving, then God himself says that I'm going to make holes in your pocket. Let me take you there. Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10. Okay, it says, Bring all your tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do say, The Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from incest and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the wine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Amen. So this is what God is commanding. Test me. That's what he says. Test me by putting God first in your tithes and offerings. But this sister was telling me, I'm not going to give the tithes. I mean, the church is rich. I don't need to give them. It doesn't matter, church, whether the church is rich or whether the church is poor. You are obligated to follow the standards of God. Don't be judging the church. Don't be judging the pastor. Don't be judging the people. Do your part. And your part is giving God 
your first priority in your finances. Amen. Do not judge, lest you be judged. That's what the word of God says. So we're not here to judge people. And that's the reason she's struggling financially. Amen. And I know one of the sisters, I'm, I'm really happy with Sister Mercy. She told me, Sister Sheba, I've been working one year during the time of pandemic. Everybody lost their jobs. People have lost jobs. Some of them have lost their pays. But I have been blessed every month. I've, I've been getting my salary. I, and not only that, I got an increase in my salary. God has been blessing my finances because I make sure that I give my tithes to my church. Amen. Because when you put God first in your tithes and offerings, He will protect you. He will protect your finances. He will protect your job. Amen. So we cannot compromise. And this sister was telling me, well, Sister Sheba, God understands that I'm giving here and there. God cannot understand church. Because His word, He will never go against His own word. Because God is a promise-keeping God. When He has said very clearly that bring your tithes and offerings to the church, I'm going to bless your finances. But many Christians compromise the standards with the standards of this world. And the fifth reason is we compromise our lifestyle. Our lifestyle, a life of holiness is compromised with the false gospel of grace that God allows us to, God's grace allows us to live in sin. And I remember one of these brothers, he was telling us that, you know, I'm drinking beer, that's fine. You know, God's grace protects us. You know, you come to church, you take the Holy Communion, but the next minute you go home and you start drinking beer. How can God's grace save you? How can, God, how can you say that you love God when you have one foot in the church and one foot in the world? Amen. Many Christians have fallen, fallen to this uh, evil teaching of grace gospel which says the grace of God covers your sin, your past sin, your present sin. Of course, the grace of God protects us. He covers us. He forgives us. But the grace of God does not give us a license to continue to live in sin. Amen. We cannot continue to live in sin. And, and Jesus didn't pay a price on the cross that we continue to live in sin, church. You'll find that in Jude chapter 1 and verses uh, 4. Here it says, verse 4, it says, I say this because some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches saying that God's marvelous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. So Jude is very clearly warning the church. He's clearly telling that some people have wormed up in your church and they're saying that the grace of God allows us to live an immoral life. Many Christians, not only in America but around the world, the thing that the grace of God covers us from all sin. Of course it covers us when we repent. But Jesus very clearly said, sin no more. If you remember the story of the adulterous woman that the people bought before Christ, Jesus said, well, daughter, I have forgiven your sin, but sin no more. We forget the last word, what Jesus said, but sin no more. He said, Okay, you have done sinning all your life. Fine, I forgive you. I forgive you for your sin. But don't sin anymore. But many Christians, they continue living in sin because they think that the grace of God allows them to live in sin. Everything is covered. We are perfect. And we forget that Christ told us 
not to sin anymore. We have to be careful, church. We have to be careful that we don't compromise a life of holiness in God. Amen. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14, Without holiness, no man shall see God. Very clearly the word of God says, Without holiness, not only holiness in your body, but holiness in your mind, holiness in your thinking, holiness in your talking, your attitude, everything has to be holy in line with God. That's the reason our mind has to be renewed with the word of God. There has to be a transformation that should take place in our lives. People should see Christ in us, in our talk, in our walk, in our attitude, in our actions. People should see Christ in us. Amen. And that is ha that happens when you allow God to transform you. You'll find that in Romans chapter 12 verse 2 it says, Be renewed in your mind. How can you renew your mind? By being close to God. How can you be close to God? By reading His word, meditating His word. will renew your mind. When your mind is renewed, your whole body is renewed. When your whole body is renewed, your actions, your attitudes, your behaviors, everything is renewed. And people see, will see a different you. The old is gone, the new is here. Amen. Everything comes down to that church. Your life has to be a transformed life. You have, your life has to be a holy life. And that is possible when you keep God first in our life. That's the reason God is calling us that we have lost our first love. He gave me this vision on Thursday with a scripture to share with you guys that many of us, we have lost our first love and He's calling us to get back to our first love. Amen. I'm going to close with this last scripture. It says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of the heart flows the issues of life. Out of your heart flows the issues of life. So if your heart is full of God, your life is beautiful. Your life is rich. Your life is prosperous. Just like Abraham. Abraham had God in his heart. That's the reason he was the richest man. The wealthiest man. The most blessed man in his time. Amen. Because he kept God in his heart. Amen. But if your heart is full of things of this world, don't expect God to bless our lives. We have, to, we have to be careful that we don't allow the things of this world pollute our heart and pollute our mind. Amen. So that's the message. 